As the UK adjusts to a new wave of restrictions, we take stock of what lessons the industry has learned since the first quarter of 2020. Today's experts have been simmering over the latest trends in the market, from portfolio management to digitalization. Have relationships with lenders been chopped? What new investment opportunities have been cooked up? We'll find that out and more on this week's episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Hello, listener, and welcome to the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. This week, we're going to be sitting back to discuss some of the major themes that have emerged from this crisis. Today's guests are from Rutland Partners, the firm made famous by its investment in Pizza Hut UK in 2012. Since the successful exit of the restaurant chain, the firm has made many other investments in special situations, including containers and packaging company Hereford Contract Canning and auto parts manufacturer Woodall Nicholson. Over time, the firm has generated operational expertise and a strong foothold in the UK market. As such, we catch up with two partners from the firm to get a picture of the market, their views on some trends and what they foresee for the future of investment volumes. And here with me today is Oliver Jones and David Wardrop, both partners at Rutland Partners. I'd like to start off speaking with you, David, to discuss, in terms of valuations, uh, if you think this current market is an attractive one. I think it is, but I think it's you perhaps have to look at the the type of deal that's sort of prevalent in, in the market, certainly in a sort of the initial period post the spring. There's going to be a, a sort of cohort of deals which are at the at the end of businesses that have done well and, and done well on a sustainable basis through the COVID crisis. And I think because of that, that there's almost a bit of um, crisis type resistance to them. And I think perhaps those ones uh, will be the ones that are kind of most sought after because they're, you know, ostensibly sort of safer, more dependable deals for do to do and therefore will probably attract uh, perhaps even more of a premium than perhaps they would have done pre the crisis. Outside of that, I think for those things which are perhaps a bit more complicated or perhaps had an imperfect record or or perhaps just had things which needed to be addressed before the crisis and then perhaps those issues have been sort of accentuated by by what's happened within those there are some potentially very interesting kind of opportunities you know what should be sensible kind of valuations but I think it's they'll just there'll be a real mix I think it just it'll be cases it always is of just sort of picking your way through things which are you know the right things to be pursuing and actually you know will have a degree of resilience going forward if given that you know it is going to be uncertain and there might be future issues yeah, absolutely Oliver do you have anything to add on that point I, I think from a valuation point of view definitely resilience will come into it so people will now be looking even more especially banks at to what extent is, is downside risk protected what happens if there's a, a big nationwide lockdown number two what if a second wave becomes a third wave but I think you can get your head around all that by looking at looking at the last six months and seeing how businesses have been able to adapt is, is usually a good clue to what might happen in the future and therefore what their value might be what has your general impression been of how debt funds and banks have behaved and communicated during the pandemic? Do you think that that kind of situation is improving or, or perhaps deteriorating? I, I think we've always had a model 
of um, having a relatively small number of banking relationships and being very long-term focused on those relationships and making sure there's real openness around how we fund things and, and how businesses perform. And I think that's shone through during lockdown. We've had a very supportive group of, of banks on the various portfolio investments we've had. And it's all about being open and communicating with them. And I think they have really helped us to, to navigate two or three situations through what initially looked like quite challenging circumstances into, into places that we're now very happy with. I think if you went to the new lending market and looked to, to putting new deals out there, I think there definitely would be a bit more caution in, in the banking market right now, looking at the, the underlying credit risk they're taking, and then they would do the same kind of stress test analysis around what would happen if there was a more elongated lockdown or, or, or things happen. But I think generally, our experience of the banks has been very positive, and they've been very supportive of our portfolio. Yeah, that definitely echoes um, some things that other market participants have been saying. Uh, David, did you have the same impression? Uh, yes. I think when it comes to new things, I think, you know, there probably hasn't quite been enough processes to test appetite yet. You know, everyone's saying that they're, you know, open for, for business. I think sort of when you read between the lines with some people, they're setting thresholds for new deals that were, I guess, understandably, but much higher than they were previously. So, you know, the, the degree of secured revenue, the historic track record, um, whatever it may be, it's just a, it's a higher bar for them to get comfortable with than they have previously so therefore they were just inevitably do less things i think other people are prepared to perhaps be um, a bit more flexible on on the type of thing they look at but what they all are doing is particularly looking at those kind of sponsor relationships so i think if you were a new sponsor and if you didn't have a track record with that particular bank or or debt fund that raises a potential issue but if someone they've worked with over the years and and been very comfortable with then those are the type of funds that they will be they'll they'll focus their efforts on. On to a different topic which I think is certainly an important one in today's environment what do you think have been the most interesting trends in portfolio management since the onset of the coronavirus crisis Oliver? Well I think I think a general theme of of coronavirus has been an acceleration of of, of some existing themes and, you know, an amplification of of stuff that was already going on. And I think portfolio management might be another example of that. It's always been a good idea to to be close to management teams and be supportive, and never more so than when there's a sudden change in the business in in the external environment and, and businesses have to react. And I think everyone in the country has learnt a lot more about things like like Teams and Zoom than they perhaps knew um, coming into 2020. And that's been a really good medium which to, to, to have, you know, initially, I guess, daily contact with some of the portfolio businesses, really working out how we were going to face some of the challenges and how to prioritise things and what to do. And I think, you know, Rotland's always um, been very close to the businesses we back. We're not a volume house and we're, and we're very supportive. So I think really... COVID was an environment that sort of suited our our style anyway. Actually, a lot of the teams we work with chose to work with us because of that culture. And in some ways, COVID was just an amplification of of the way we we already work with many of those teams. You, you learn a lot about people. You know, when there's challenges and when there's things to manage, it brings good teams closer. So I think that'd be my big theme: sort of more proximity with our teams, and that's that's no bad thing. It's always nice to hear a unity message, isn't it? 
David, have you seen any interesting trends in portfolio management recently? Yeah, I, I do echo what, what Ollie said. I, I think a lot of the things that we've been carefully monitoring post-COVID across a whole series of things from, from cash management, issues specific with the businesses, you know, these were things that, and dialogue and processes that existed before. It's just that the, perhaps the, the, the frequency of discussion and the importance of certain aspects just increased enormously. You know, it, it's always been about constant dialogue with the team and, and just having a, you know, a kind of reporting system internally, which monitored the, the right things. And it, it's been a continuation of that. Obviously, in these uncertain times, everyone's thinking about the future. It'd be great to hear how you see the new deal environment evolving over the coming months. David? Yeah, it's been interesting that you've had uh, a group of um, you know, things which have been born, as you would expect, out of necessity, stress, distress opportunities where there's been a sort of accelerated timetable. And, and the more interesting things and a particular kind of focus for us has been actually you know a combination of private individuals or privately owned businesses where actually you know they've particularly impacted or, or, or um, severely impacted by what happened but have sort of looked at their business and, and thought actually do you know what I need or what I want is a partner to work alongside me you know an element of, of de-risking but also an element of you know, wanting someone there for whatever might happen in, in the future. And a lot of the things that they in time would have put in place in terms of proper management transition plan or, you know, investment in new facilities, you know, they've they've not got round to doing, you know, it's still the right thing for the business to do, but, you know, they would prefer to get a partner on now rather than wait two, three years or however long it will take to, to get that person um, to be in the right position to to transact. So we've definitely seen quite a lot of that. Um, and then corporate type activity that is definitely been a sort of increasing trend of either wanting to sort of deleverage their balance sheets or have reassessed their own strategy and looked at where they want to allocate capital, where they sort of did geographic focus of where they're overseas corporates and started to think about whether they're, you know, what's core and what's not not core to them. And you, you can see that they take a little bit longer to come about in terms of um decision making um, but we've definitely seen more of those kind of opportunities and, and, and would increasingly expect to see more of those kind of opportunities going forward um, and that's something we definitely saw as a fund you know after the, the financial crisis in 0809 where you know it, it took a bit of time but actually there was a lot more of that corporate type activity which evolved which emerged in the sort of the 12 18 months post initial sort of banking crisis Okay, great. And Oliver, uh, how do you see the New Deal environment evolving? Pre-COVID, you were already seeing, you know, some slightly more focused processes where, without people going out far and wide, there was there was, there was shorter list potential buyers, and and the advisors were really trying to work up deal situations with people who they ha- they had a high confidence would transact. So a, a lot of our emphasis is is making sure people know what our deal focus is, and and that we would be very relevant partners for certain situations. I, I do echo what 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 David said. A lot of private businesses pre-COVID who were holding out for the big exit one day have maybe had a reappraisal and are thinking, well, actually. It might be better now to, to unlock some value, partner up with an institution and really drive towards a big exit event in a few years' time. Non-core disposals from corporates looking to de-gear. Whatever the cycle is doing, there's always businesses that need to change and need to improve. And that's long been our deal focus and, and will remain to be. 
So I'd be confident, actually, that we should still see, um, as Rutland, an, an interesting stream of opportunities because ultimately it's interesting people wanting to do interesting things that, that, that drives the, the heart of our deal flow. Going back to portfolio management, digitalization was of course, an important tool in the operational GP's kind of toolkit prior to the pandemic. But with digitalization and remote working increasing to such a high degree, um, do you think that the private equity industry has met that rising need for digitalization? Oliver, why don't you start? So, yes, I mean, I think, again, that was a theme that was there pre-COVID and COVID has accelerated that. So if, if I use an example, um, one of the businesses I look after is our, our investment in the car auction business, um, Aston Barclay. So that was a 2017 investment. We've spent a lot of time investing in, in the online capabilities of that business, launching an app, launching some new products and services, and really allowing buyers to engage um, in online auctions without having to go to physical sales. Um, when COVID happened, we, we were on, on that government list of, of, of activities that should had to shut down overnight. So the whole of the automotive retail sector in the UK was effectively closed. And because we are a key servicer of that volume, you know, the wholesale market largely shut as well. But what it meant was because we had a digital product offering, relatively quickly after the dust had settled, you know, by early April, a lot of our customers were saying, we would still like to sell cars. And some of our buyers were saying, we still like to buy cars. So we started trading 100% online in, in a sort of careful COVID safe way. So lots of protocols around how cars got collected and moved. What it meant was that when we reopened in June, um, we and others in the industry are now transacting 100% online. So no, no cars are being driven through lanes, but auctions are happening still all enabled by tech. So if, you, if you'd asked us three years ago, would we see the market going 100% online in three years' time? I don't think anyone would have said that was that was likely. I think COVID has shone a light on the, the potential for tech in this industry. And I think it's, it's, it's a pretty good example of how, you know, it has accelerated existing trends that were there and, and, and left everyone really thinking about big opportunities from here to, to probably broaden and deepen our, our online offering even further. David, have you seen kind of any interesting ways that you've dealt with the digitalization trend? Yeah, overall, it's as important now, if not more important than it kind of was previously. I mean, as you sort of, sort of mentioned, you know, you've got quite often dislocated teams and structures and processes which worked historically, but probably just as a function of everyone being physically in the, the, the same location, don't necessarily work now. And, and perhaps the way that a business went to market and interacted with its customers, suppliers or has changed as well. So that some of the businesses bring in a sort of process and standardization to that through software, how order taking and the integration of that with the, the rest of the business through um, manufacturing supply chain, uh, bringing tools in to help the team to streamline that process to, to mean that you don't have to be together to, to be doing that is, um, you know, it's something that was you know, on the on the agenda and had been done to an extent previously, but, you know, is still of importance and focus now. And it's, you know, that, that can be challenging, you know, 
in a, an environment where frankly you have to react perhaps a bit quicker and there's just a lot more happening than there was previously but it's important to keep the focus on those digitization projects because ultimately they help the business going forward and, and help them to streamline their processes but certainly for us it's been important but i can imagine there's a wider market um, you know that will be very much on people's uh, agenda as well Wonderful. Well, it's great to have the market view from Rutland Partners. Thanks very much to David and Oliver for being with us. I'm afraid that's all we have time for this week. Do look out for upcoming episodes on LP Perspectives, as well as a CE update. Please take the opportunity to subscribe to the Unquote Private Equity podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or, of course, continue listening on unquote.com. A very big thank you to our special guests, David Wardrop and Oliver Jones, our producer, Tim. And as always, a big thank you to you too, listener. Speak to you soon. Hold up. 